When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dear young married couple, do you need a tool to rescue your toxic arguments? We have a tool for you. We do. We're going to dive into five steps that are part of this tool when things have just kind of blown up and you're unsure about if it's even productive anymore. Yeah. And um, we're going to talk to you about how to rescue that today. Right. And we'll also get into the biology of what's what's happening in people's bodies and um, and why so many people fall into this cycle. It's a very, very, very common cycle that we see in counseling. Mm -hmm. And um, this tool is probably one of the most powerful and one of the first things that we normally want to give couples that are in this toxic uh, cycle of arguing and it really going badly. Yeah. And I think one really neat benefit of this tool is that whether you are the pursuer where you're just like, we got to solve this. We got to solve this. We got to solve this. Or whether you are the withdrawer where you're like, this is pointless. Surrender. I'm done. I'm out of here. Either way, if you find yourself in either of those positions, this tool will work for you. So I love that it, it helps both parties. Yeah. And it's, I call it the tourniquet for your relationship. Uh, a tourniquet is something you wrap around a, like an arm or a leg to stop you from bleeding out. Yep. This is a, a tool that um, we help lots of couples I- implement into their marriage, but um, you don't have to be like a marriage in distress in order to use this. Oh yeah, and we for, use it. Yeah, seriously. And yeah. for all of you people who listen to our stuff or listen to other, you know, marriage podcasts or videos, you know, stop just watching and implement some stuff. Yes. Use it. This is a tool that's really, really powerful. And I know we are building it up, but we haven't ever done it on our channel. We just realized that and we teach it seems like almost every week we teach it to somebody. We teach it in counseling. We teach it at almost all of our marriage retreats and seminars. And so we were like, wait, we don't have a video on that. Let's, let's go ahead and record it. And we use this tool. Yes. So, um, so, Without further ado, let's, let's, let's go. Okay. So step one, step one is when you're in the middle of this negative cycle or this toxic argument or something that's blowing up, uh, step one is to recognize your need for a breather. Mm -hmm. So how do you know you need a breather? So typically when a client comes to us and, um, they think they know when they need a timeout. But generally, they need a timeout or a breather, whatever you want to call it, much earlier than they think. Mm -hmm. So what we do is ask the client, so I would ask you, the watcher or listener, to um, think back to your last argument. Um, Maybe you are the withdrawer, the person who pulls back in, you know, the pulls back to try to maybe protect the relationship because it's pointless. You've heard these words before the argument where it's going nowhere. So I'm shutting down. Um, but think back to what is your body doing? Mm-hmm. So your body is giving us clues that it's starting to shut down. It's starting to get flooded. Yeah. 
And this is not a state that you want to uh, bring into a discussion. Yeah. So what are signs that, and it's personal from person to person, it changes, but what are signs that you know your body is shutting down or your brain is getting flooded? Uh, We'll give you a little bit of neuroscience here. Um, literally your prefrontal cortex, when your, when your heart rate gets above about a hundred beats per minute, and this has been proven, especially for men, when your heart rate gets above a hundred beats per minute, your brain shuts down your prefrontal cortex, which is your ability to plan, to reason, to have sound judgment. Um, all of that shuts down all the good parts that you love about your husband (laughs) shut down. And so if your heart rates up, your prefrontal cortex is shut down you're probably not going to have a very productive conversation. You go into, call it flooding, you go into fight or flight or freeze. Well, a lot of, well, some men will, but most men won't fight their spouse. You know, you're not going to like attack the the enemy. Um, Like if there was a bear coming and you would go fight or flight, right? Well, you know, if if your wife is the bear, you're not going to fight her. And so what do you do? You flee. Now that might look like leaving the room, but it might look like just shutting down mm-hmm. emotionally or like you're there physically, but mentally you're absent. Um, and so what are signs that you're getting to that place if you are the withdrawer? Right. Yeah. We, we really want to avoid staying flooded in a volatile argument mm-hmm. because what happens is when your prefrontal cortex shuts down, Generally, we start saying things that we really don't mean. So when people say, well, they said this in an argument, say a whole bunch of hurtful things, I tend not to believe them. Yeah. You don't really actually speak your mind. You, you, you are really trying to push the person away right. at that point. Get away from me. So a whole bunch of hurtful things start coming out generally or silence. It, it's just, it's, so we need to put a tourniquet on the bleeding. Um, so what uh clients normally experience so flooding looks like um, i personally get uh, a turning in my stomach Mm -hmm. so i feel it in my stomach and i start getting really irritated and irritable and i want to walk out the room that's that's exactly what i want Um, other clients feel a tightness in the chest Mm -hmm. they feel maybe a constriction in their throat they feel heat they clench their fists Yeah. There's so many external or even internal signs for me personally. And for other pursuers out there, um, your voice might get louder, even if you're not yelling per se, but the volume goes up. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for me personally, like I get red, like this feeling of like hot in my neck or face. Um, and I know I'm escalating. I sigh. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So those are some signs. Yeah. One time I was working with a client and, um, he had no idea what he did. So, you know, I was pushing, you know, poking around trying to figure out what, what he does. And, uh, he kind of looks like help me at his wife and his wife looks at him and says, I know what you do. And he says, what? And she said, you, you start like straightening papers and anything on the desk, you just start straightening up and like putting everything in in its place. And he's like, I do. I do do that. So, so maybe if you're having a hard time figuring out what you do, maybe ask your spouse, what do they observe you doing when they know or think you could be, um, flooded. And a lot of, a lot of pursuers feel the reason why a pursuer and we're smacking labels on people, but that's these two parts that people play within a, within this dance or an argument. Um, the pursuer 
gets more and more, um, I don't know, direct with their confrontation. Yeah. And as that overwhelms the withdrawer, they back back down. They mm-hmm. get smaller and quieter and go stone cold and, you know, put a flat affect on like, you know, you, you can't bust through my wall. And so the, <laughs> the, the bigger the wall that the, the withdrawer builds, um, the bigger the, the guns, the pursuer. Yeah, exactly. Pulls I was up. trying to like yeah. the bigger ba- the bazooka, you know. <laughs> so, so this is what we're working with, and we see this all the time. So, mm-hmm. hopefully, you guys are starting to see. You know, is it the man that's the normal the the withdrawer, or or sometimes it is the man that is the uh, the pursuer that happens. Yeah. Uh, but we would see probably eighty twenty the eighty yeah. twenty principle that generally eighty percent of the men are withdrawers. Mm-hmm. So that's step one, really recognize what it is, mm-hmm. what is it in you? Cause it's different in each person. What is it in you that tells you I need some space right now? Now, as the pursuer, you are most likely not going to think you need space, right? The withdrawer is usually the one that's like, I need space from, from this conversation. I need space from you. Um, but really try to be an emotionally intelligent partner pursuers and recognize when you need space too, even if that's not what you prefer, you might be better off with it. Okay. And generally the pursuers are confronting to connect. Mm -hmm. They're saying, Hey, we haven't figured this out. I I want connection. I'm just coming at you. I just want to figure this out with you. Can you please stay here? And for some reason that's triggering the mistrust or the mistrust in themselves for the withdrawer and they're shutting down. So that's a different thing that we would have to figure out maybe in counseling or good book. But, um, that's step one, recognize your need for a timeout. We can go on and on on this really, Totally. but step two. Um, and by the way, um, we've adapted this tool from uh, preparing and rich. We've, uh, we've, been certified in preparing and rich for years and years. Mm-hmm. So they have um, awesome tools. We've used their tool and then we adapted it because we saw the need to include certain components that it was missing. And we or also clarify some things or clarify. And then we also um, implemented pieces from EFT, which is emotionally focused therapy. Um, that pursuer withdrawer language is part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we like to use our own tool, these five steps that we've adapted from Prepare and Rich. So full disclosure there. Yes. <laughs> All right. So step two. Step two is to. Um, to say that you need a breather and or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then step to B in the same sentence. So, hey, you know, I'm getting overloaded or I'm getting fl- uh, flustered or flooded, whatever your word is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that this is really important. I, we really need to come back to this. And this is how you do it. Um, but I really need a breather right now. So there's step two. Could we please come back to this after we get back from work? After um, we put the kids we down. We put the kids down. After mm-hmm. church. After whatever you're after is generally we find it very soothing for the pursuer to know that this isn't just a withdrawal or withdrawal for you know, withdrawing sake. Right. It's just simply the person recognizing in themselves that, Hey, look, I've hit my limit right now and I need to kind of collect my bearings. And I would like to come back to this later so that we can finish this 
in a humane way. When the walls are down, the bazookas are <laughs> yeah. back. Yes. Yeah, for sure. So um, call that space, that breather, that timeout for yourself. That's important. You don't say you need a timeout. Yes. That's what you say to your I. toddlers. So I need a sp- I need space. I need a breather. And then semicolon, right? It's in the same sentence. Can we come back to this after blank? Can we come back to this at in a specific time? Yeah. It's really important that you're giving a specific time or a specific event, you know, after we put the kids down. Um, because mm-hmm. if you don't have a specific time, it's easy to just quote unquote, let it go. And letting it go is not always, or even not usually the best approach for solving something. Right. This tool is built for, for couples and after lots and lots and lots of observations, um, we have to really fix it. This is what escalates things, right? We just, oh, we'll just let it go. And then really it stews. It doesn't disappear. The need's still there. And then it comes back bigger than before. So this just helps us cool down and hopefully come back with a sense of humility. Mm -hmm. Um, And we'll talk about that in a minute. But the biggest part, the biggest, biggest part here is that you give a specific time. Yeah. That's a responsible distance taking. Um, irresponsible distance taking is right in the middle of an argument. The person just walks out or just closes down. And, and, and then the other person's feeling you know, betrayed or abandoned mm-hmm. or you know, starts really having fear that will we ever figure this out? That's the pursuer's internal dialogue, right, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, and f- and for the withdrawer, it's like I can't take any more of this. This is how it always goes. I can't right. even trust to have a good conversation with this person because they go nuclear on me. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to have that planned time to come back so that both parties can take some time to really compute. Um, how to go back. Oh, and a rule. Don't do it. Um, don't set your time any less than 30 minutes. Yeah. has to be more than 30 minutes. Yeah. The research shows that it takes about 15 to 30 minutes. So we try to go on the, the higher end of that 30 minutes um, for the cortisol to flush through your body, for your heart rate to fully come down and really to do steps three and four that we're about to share. So don't say like, I need a breather. I'll, I'm going to take a walk around the block and be back in five minutes. Um, you really do need to take some space. So like a good 30 minutes. But even if it's like, you know, later in the day, maybe something happened in the morning and you guys are on your way to work. It's okay to come back to it that evening, you know. So as long as you've had some time to do steps three and four. Yes. So that should give you guys um, kind of a good first step, second step, and also one more little pointer. Make sure you guys, you and your spouse, um, agree what word you're going to use for the timeout. So you can use a timeout. You can use a breather. You can use it as a space. Mm -hmm. You can use it as a moment. I would, I would use a word that's not typically in your vocabulary. Yeah. Because if you guys already say like, I need space and that has a negative connotation and it means like you're going to abandon me. That could be a trigger. Yeah. So only use uh, that if it, 
if it's not already in your vocabulary. Um, I had a client, they were talking through this, like, well, what word are we going to use? And so they decided on, we're going to park the car. <laughs> so like that works for them. Like they'll, so they'll say, Hey, let's park the car. And they both know exactly what they mean, that they're going to take at least 30 minutes. And then they say, let's come back to this at, or let's yep. come back to this when. Yep. Yep. So this is a very, very, very helpful couple steps. All right. Step number three, which is do an activity that allows you to do step four. And we're going to share what step four is in a moment, but it's important that step three is not just a distraction activity. It needs to be something that is either active or, um, it's, it allows you to process. Um, so it can be something like going for a walk. That's really good. And we'll talk about why, um, it could be doing the dishes. Even it can be, um, you know, maybe you're like cleaning things out in that junk drawer that needs to be cleaned out every couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, but just something that is not scrolling Instagram or watching something or reading something that gives you a different narrative because mm-hmm. you need to be able to process the narrative that's happening between the two of you. Yeah. You don't want to just go jump on Instagram and look at all the happy people because <laughs> all it, while all your anger is just pooling around you. You need to get up and do something. It helps you to process those negative emotions. And three and four go together. So four is to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Mm-hmm. So as you're moving, doing stuff, be th- don't distract your mind with what just happened. You need to go back there and, and think, and I all, we have to remind ourselves that, you know, your spouse I don't think isn't being a jerk just to be a jerk. Right. Generally that person um, loves you. They're a goodwilled person. They want the best for both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, things just aren't going well for them either. Right. And they have some hurts. Maybe they're trying to process their, they have their own agenda here. Mm-hmm. So this is our time to get, try to get into their shoes. So one way to put yourself in the other person's shoes is to first tell yourself, I am not wrong if I validate how they're feeling. It doesn't make my perspective wrong and their perspective right. So ask yourself, how are they feeling? Mm -hmm. If I acknowledge that Adam's feeling frustrated or Adam's feeling hurt or Adam's feeling Mm -hmm. X, whatever it is, right? It doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Right. Um, and I think that's so often what happens is we, we get in these like battles of, I will make sure to convince them of my position. Well, and yeah, I will, I will make sure that I convince them that they are wrong. Yeah. And really a lot of people, I remember this at the very beginning of my marriage. It's like, Krista always wants to try to make me feel like I'm, I'm wrong here and I am perfectly righteous right now. <laughs> and really you know and so like why do you always have to try to make me take part of the responsibility of this argument because you're the one who started this (laughs) right and and it it took me a while i'm a slow learner apparently um (laughs) to realize that i play a part in almost every single argument yeah took me a while too it took us a few years to to convince each other that yeah Yeah. And so really what we had to learn and what we're wanting you to learn, if you haven't learned it yet, or you need to practice it more, I think we all do, is I can validate my spouse's feelings and actually know that it's, it's reasonable that they feel that way, um, without having to say that I'm wrong or that, you know, 
you're right necessarily. Mm. We're just saying, can I see where they're coming from? Um, so here's a tool within a tool. This is called the because, because, because. So if you can give three reasons why they're feeling that way. So I would say like this, it makes sense to me why you feel frustrated because you had an expectation that blank was going to happen and then it didn't happen. So that naturally made you feel frustrated. Mm -hmm. It also makes sense to me that you feel frustrated because growing up, this is something that happened quite a bit Mm -hmm. and you didn't always feel heard or understood. And so now you really want to feel heard and understood in this situation. And it also makes sense to me because, so you're coming up with three reasons, right? Um, You really value us being on the same page. And when I am not on the same page as you, um, it really just kind of, it's it's a drag on your day because your value is unity and teamwork. So you see what we're doing. We're, we're drawing from prior circumstances, values, um, just general expectation. And so many people do not want to try to step into the other person's shoes. Um, I remember being so leery at first and still sometimes it's hard. Um, but this is a very, very valuable step. If you want to stop the toxicity in your arguments, you have to be able to see that this is a goodwill person. She's not trying to torpedo to torpedo your happiness. You know, right. like she's trying. She just has a different point of view on yeah. something. Yeah. So, this is a big one. Last step. Last step. Step number five is to call the time in. Whoever calls the time in, or I'm sorry, whoever calls the breather, also brings it back in. Yep. Okay. So. This looks like if I was the one who called the timeout, I'd say, hey, baby, you know, it's been about 40 minutes or it's after the the kids went down and um, are you ready to continue the conversation? Yeah. And generally, if I do it, I'm going to try to lead how I contributed to to the disagreement or I'll notice a pattern how we've done this in the past and how I see things and how she sees things. With the work that we already did in steps uh, yeah. three and four. Yeah, you can lead with because, because, because yeah. if you want to, which is what you did in step four, right? Yep. Putting yourself in their shoes. Absolutely. Because we want them to feel understood and seen. And that's mm-hmm. the quickest way to de-escalate a person. Because really, the emotion is there to try to convince you of the importance of whatever's going on. Exactly. Right? So if you can see it, really see it, and, and allow them to to see that you see it, um, they won't have as much impetus to keep up with the high emotion. Yeah. The walls come down when someone feels seen, when someone feels understood. That's why it's such a powerful way to resume. And we'll do another episode here pretty soon, maybe next week, um, where we dive into how to repair once you come back. So, you know, you've, you've broken the cycle of toxicity mm-hmm. And you've rescued the argument and now you come back to actually resolve how to repair. What does that look like? And so we'll dive into that next episode. Um, But that's one tip. When you resume the conversation, um, start off with putting yourself in their shoes. Um, You know, and oftentimes I'll have a couple in steps three and four, the activity that they're doing in step three is praying for that person. So step four might look like writing out. That's a good one. Yeah, writing out in prayer 
the because, because, because. Like, God, help me to see this from their perspective. Why does it make sense to them? And God will reveal that to you if you're genuinely seeking that. <laughs> you might not be. <laughs> you might not be genuinely yeah. seeking it. Hopefully you are. Yes. <laughs> and, um, and then if you get it wrong, if you come back and you're like, yeah, it makes sense to me why you were frustrated and you go into the reasons and they're like, no, that's not why, then you can genuinely ask. Okay, please, tell me why. Please help me understand. Help me understand. Help me help you. Yeah, it's yeah. a big one. So if you're listening to, to this alone, you really do need your spouse's buy-in Yeah. for this tool. Um, go get your spouse. Listen to this together. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, you could practice certain pieces of it oh, on your own. Oh, 100%. But yeah, if you guys are going to try this together and like have a common word that you say in step two for calling the breather, yeah. you really do need to be on the same page. This is such a helpful tool. We're, um, we're disclosing gold right now. <laughs> so go use it. Put it in your arsenal. If you guys get into lots of arguments, take a Sharpie and write it on your nearest wall to remind you. <laughs> to use this tool. <laughs> One uh, tip as well, and uh, a context in which we use it often, is not necessarily when something's going ballistic, you know, because I don't think that happens for us um, anymore, or at least rarely, but if something is just, um, it's not the right time. And so what that might look like a lot for us is like Adam's like in his creative box and he's not ready to talk about something. Even if we're not arguing, he's just like not ready to talk about it. And then I'm like trying to talk about it. He will often call the breather at that point. Like, Hey babe, now is really not a good time for me. Can we come back to this when? And then, so he calls it then. So keep that in mind. It could just be when you're not in the right space to talk or it could be you know when things are kind of toxic or blowing up there you go <laughs> use the tool <laughs> all right so tune in to the next episode where we will help you with how to repair and what to do when you come back after using this tool so long